Welcome to the future of XYZ. I'm your host, Lisa Grelnick, principal and founder of LVG & Co., an independent strategy consultancy based in New York City. Through quick and candid conversations with innovative leaders, we aim to foster new thinking and explore big questions about where we are as a world and where we're going. Hello and welcome to this special Earth Day episode of Future of XYZ. I am so excited that we have uh, Dr. Allison Mike here with us today talking about the future of climate education. Um, I think, or teaching climate change, we might want to call it, but it's really about climate education. Um, Allison, thank you so much for joining us. Lisa, thanks. I'm very excited to chat with you today about this. It's, uh, it's a topic near and dear to my heart. So thank you. Well, it's amazing. I mean, you you not only have your doctorate in education and curriculum development, but you spent, I mean, you've been a highly, um, I would just say awarded, uh, highly rewarded teacher teaching middle school science in Montana, which we don't think of as the cutting edge of climate change, personally, <laughs> at least. Um, so we'll talk about that experience. But I mean, you've won all sorts of awards, including the Presidential Award for for, for science education, the best teacher in Montana award, uh, the Millikan award. And, and then you went into the kind of, I won't say the private sector, but private universities, first at Singularity in, in terms of curriculum development, then obviously at Presidio Graduate School in San Francisco, which really focuses on teaching climate change, um, especially to K through 12, 12th grade. Um, and now you've just taken a new role teaching to internal and external stakeholders about climate change at Salesforce. So this is really like kind of a, a lifelong passion. And, and I think that the timing is obviously very, very important for all of us to talk about this. So I want to lob the first question, which okay. is how did you personally kind of shift from teaching science and education in Montana into wanting to teach climate change um, and, and, and this side of things? Like what, what was the turning point for you that made you realize like this is important? Um, so I've been, I've been teaching probably, you know, since I was 12, of course, but, uh, I was teaching climate change 15, 20, 20 years ago, at least. And it's always been something that's been on the forefront of my, my mind. Um, but where I live and, um, uh, in Montana, I'm seeing climate change and I'm seeing it all over the world, but, uh, the preponderance of the drought wildfires, all of that is starting to just, it, it's escalating and it's escalating at a rate. Um, that, that frankly, scientists didn't predict. And the other piece of that is that um, uh, I, I, I had the, uh, the ability or the, the fortunate to, to listen to some uh, scientists who got the Nobel Prize in climate change. And I watched a lot of their modeling. And again, I'm seeing it come to fruition. And while I love being in the classroom, um, these other opportunities were a way to sort of like get the message out there and move the needle quicker and faster. Um, we are in a crisis. There's no, there, and it's an emergency crisis, uh, whatever term you use. And we've just, we've got to like pay attention and we can't keep kicking this down the can down the road. Well, I, I, I couldn't agree more, of course. And I think we have been for a long time kicking the can down the road. And I think we're still kind of kicking the can down the road. I think what's very interesting is, you know, of course, this problem of climate change is not for one group of people or one type of people or one country 
to solve. This is a global challenge. And I look at some of the young people and where you focus your, your career in kind of that K through 12 education. And I think what's, and, and then educating the educators, I think I would call it. Yeah. And I think what's so fascinating about someone like a, a Greta Thunberg, right? And the climate strike um, is that there can be a very big impact. And she personally, I think has had an outstanding role in bringing awareness to the challenge, but kids need adults to help them in their journey towards both action and education. But I think what I saw in climate strike is they're, they're demanding accountability. And mm -hmm. yet when you look at some of the statistics, you know, we're all talking in branding and marketing about like how woke Gen Z is and you know, the alphas and they're demanding this. And yet so many of them are not being taught this in school. They are not learning the hard science. So it's a little bit more hearsay. They have many more concerns than just climate change that are weighing on them when you look at the stats. Climate change kind of falls midway among their concerns. You know, how, how do you think that the, I want to say like the child-led, the kid-led action has to marry in order for this teaching of climate change to really happen? I think I started, I'm seeing it now. Um, I've had um, the privilege, particularly working with Presidio, with different speakers that we brought into the course that I developed. And I'm seeing these 16 and 17 year olds who are like moving legislation through their states and even at the federal government saying, we're tired of waiting. Um, uh, one, one student I had the opportunity to, to have speak, uh, had actually lost her home in a wildfire. Um, and she's very passionate about it. And so I think what's happening is I, I think, um, as with many things, it's the, that grassroots that, that move things up. And I think the future is really, um, kids are, there's, there's eco-anxiety. Kids are like really stressed about the environment. Um, you know, I've had, um, kids tell me that like, you know, like, I don't even know if I should like get into school debt because like, you know, 10 years from now, what, what's, what's it going to matter? So this whole eco-anxiety is, is weighing on them, um, Young people are also really concerned about the climate justice issues and all of that sort of like kind of boiling and, um, and I think it's rising to the surface. I think kids often change, change the direction of things. And I think that again, kids feel more empowered. I think social media can be good or bad, but I think that's also sort of mobilizing students. Um, and I, again, I've just had the, the privilege of just speaking to so many young people that are really concerned about this. But the, the other part of that thing is, as well, as you said about the education part, there are a lot of young people that have no clue. Um, they're living, you know, whether it's through their privilege or where they're living, they're not seeing the significant impacts. And I've had teachers tell me, yeah, like, I don't know how to get to my kids because they say, oh, you know what, we can just buy our way out of it, basically. Like, oh, we'll, we'll just do this and this. And so there's a sort of a disconnect too with- That's incredible. Yeah, it is. And uh, again, a lot of it is because kids don't understand, like, frankly, the science that is taught in most places in the United States is watered down. So- And, it, yeah. and, is, and is ancient in, in large part. I mean- Yeah, there's a lot of gaps. I mean, um, when NGSS, National Next Generation Science Standards came out, um, climate change was very inclusive. Um, anthropogenic causes were like front and center, but as states began to adopt those, uh, they started dropping those pieces out that they didn't like. I mean, Idaho is a great example. They spent three years battling to even put climate change at any point in their standards, and it's so watered down, it's, it's 
almost kind of laughable. It's really tragic too, because I think it's, it's really a vicious cycle, which is the time that is passing for these things to happen is the time that we have to be educating the next generation, but more importantly, coming back to educating the educator. I mean, the tools available to educators to learn about this, come out of standards, come out of tools. Most, you know, the, the statistics on what kind of money um, is invested out of pocket by the average American public school teacher is shocking, right? The resources aren't there. So now you're talking about like what they're going to go and pay for their own education and development on this topic, whether they know it's real or not. Plus, then you have all of the vitriol that is political around, you know, around climate change. And is it real? Is it not? Especially, I mean, I'm sure you saw it a little bit firsthand, you know, in a, in a, in a red state, you know, and I don't want to call it red blue because that's not the only issue. As you said, right. privilege can also shadow lots of things. Um, but I think that's really challenging for the teacher to kind of get stuck in the middle. What are the resources that, you know, either you've developed, uh, have been doing outreach, you know, what is happening to help teachers and educators, especially in K through 12, but also advanced, you know, teachers to, to yeah. teach this next generation science that is so pertinent and so, so time neat, time impactful. Well, I think one, you know, one of the challenges that teachers face is that oftentimes they have a curriculum they need to follow. And so there's, there's a number of polls, you've probably seen them as well, that I think it's like eight in 10 teachers want to teach climate change, but don't know how it fits in their curriculum and or they don't feel they have the time. And really the number one thing that I've seen in at least the, the content that we've developed is um, they don't feel like they're, they're, they're equipped to even talk about it. Um, there's so much stuff lobbed out there about climate change and trying to sift through that. So one of the things that um, I did when I was at Presidio is we really sort of sat down and sort of like, it was a little bit of an Apollo 13. Like, yes, teachers can Google stuff right now, but then you're dependent on the Google algorithm for the curriculum materials. You know, teachers want to do it, but how do you fit in the classroom? And the other piece of it is it can't just be left to science teachers. If we just leave this to science teachers, we're never, you know, that's, again, that's, we're setting ourselves up to fail. Science well, teachers it, are doing it. puts a, it in a box that it doesn't need to be in because yeah. it is at this point it's so much broader. Exactly. So one of the things that we did is um, the course that I designed was really for any teacher. And I want any teacher to take whatever they're doing and think about places where they can intersect climate change. One of my favorite um, examples is uh, I had a teacher that was teaching Spanish and she was taking it because she wanted to learn more. And frankly, her husband was a climate denier. And she goes, I want to have a good argument with him. And what evolved over the course of the, 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 the time we were together in this class is that she started making connections to her, um, her Spanish curriculum, which uh, has a focus on different Latin American countries, mm. and particularly uh, Costa Rica. And she has a friend that they kind of bring in, you know, via Zoom to the class. And this lady was talking about the impact on travel and the impact on the coffee industry. And that was sort of like the aha moment for, her. and she redesigned her whole um, Latin America unit about like what the impact of climate change is on Latin American countries. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, the bottom line is, is that climate change fits in every curriculum. Um, you just need to give teachers the space to figure out where it fits in. And you don't want to make it like something like, oh, I've got to have, I've got to add this on. You want to augment what they're already doing because teachers are overwhelmed as it is. Um, but again, through some of the, co the course we built, and we've built some shorter ones now, it's really sort of taking bite-sized chunks and having, giving teachers, frankly, the space to think about it. 
and they'll figure it out once they sort of understand a little bit more. I think that's amazing. And I, I, one of the things that I, I think is the augmentation of what they're already doing. Also, yeah. they have boxes that they have to check for standardized tests and all, you know, standardized yeah. curriculum at a state and federal level. Um, but I think about this gl more globally beyond even just, you know, the United States, because it is a global issue. Um, there needs to be investment, right, yes. in educating um, the educators so that the children, um, you know, and teens who are learning are actually getting, as you say, there's so much misinformation out there and there's just so much information. What are they getting? What are they learning? How do they come out of high school or, you know, and, and go into higher education equipped um, with at least the fundamentals on the various pieces? What are you seeing happening on that front, whether during your time at Presidio Graduate School or, you know, now that you're in the private sector again at Salesforce, that businesses and or educators and or politicians and or parents or and or the kids themselves are doing to help really, you know, push a curriculum shift forward and, and, and provide the professional development for educators? I think there's momentum in the United States, but it's very, very slow right now. Um, if you look at other countries, I think Scotland is already sort of committed uh, to looking at curriculum, so is the UK. Um, I, New Zealand, I believe, is another uh, country that has. Um, there are some other countries in Europe uh, and Asia that are actually sort of bringing this to the forefront. So other countries are way ahead of us. Um, I, not the big surprise there. Um, our education system is so mired sort of in politics, state, local, and federal, um, that things move a lot slower. Again, I think this is where um, students are going to be sort of pushing the needle. Um, you have somebody like the Aspen Institute, who has a K-12 climate initiative, and they're looking at mitigation, adaptation, education, and um, climate justice. They're a big enough voice and they've got some really key players that they're starting to push that narrative forward. Um, it's going to be slow in the United States. I think we're going to be lagging. Um, I see other, the, you know, the, you know, other countries like already ahead of us. And um, I think our, again, uh, we're going to be lagging. It's sort of, again, we, we often do that in education in the United States, but again, we're seeing the crisis everywhere. It's starting to, you know, it's, it's in the news every day. Again, I think these grassroots things are going to really move us forward, um, maybe at a little faster pace than other educational initiatives. Um, which is very uh, positive and hopeful. Uh, <laughs> thank you for that, Allison. Um, I think one of the things that's interesting to me is during your time, um, especially at Presidio, really teaching climate change and building that curriculum around K through 12. What were some of, I mean, you used the example of Spanish teacher, but are there other things that really you can identify as best practice at this moment in time that like anyone listening or watching, you know, future of XYZ today could say, okay, that's great. I can take that on either to educate my children, my cousins, my nieces, my nephews, my sisters, my whatever, or can pass along to a school or school district. So, I mean, just a quick Google search will say, you know, what are some individual actions that you can take? And I think some, you know, a lot of what I do in the course is um, I start with that with teachers. Like, what are some individual actions you can take to sort of think about your carbon footprint? And often then I, then I take it to the next level and it's like, now what can you implement in your classroom? And so those are really simple things. And there's a lot of simple things that we can do. 
to do a better job. I mean, just even single-use plastics. A lot of school districts now are going to, you know, giving kids reusable bottles or encouraging kids to reuse, you know, reusable bottles rather than um, having single-use plastic available. So um, I would say some of the things you can do are like look for those individual actions. And again, it needs to be a conversation. If this is something that whether you're an educator or you're you're trying to get your you know, your school district to move it, it's got to be part of the conversation. Um, and I think that what we see in the, the, the media is a lot of gloom and doom. And the bottom line is there's lots of solutions. There are simple things that we can do. I think the other thing too, is that we, if we look at um, things that are going to start shifting that narrative with the infrastructure bill, some of that money is going to be directed to school districts. Um, you're going to see school districts putting in solar panels, geothermal, better insulation, better windows, uh, more efficient lighting. All of those things are going to go to school boards. They're going to be conversations. Parents are going to sit in the audience like, why are we putting you know, solar panels? Those are things that are going to start you know, moving that conversation. Yeah. And frankly, when those things happen, particularly like I think of like solar panels and things like that, you're going to have the teachers in the building going, you know what, let's, let's use that as part of our curriculum. So I think there's a lot of momentum around. Yeah. It's just the biggest thing is keeping that conversation going and looking at, you know, those individual actions. And then how can we do that more in a collective? I love that. I mean, I think that's what it always boils down to. I mean, we talk a lot about these range of subjects, if you will, on future of X, Y, Z. And I think it you know, there is collective action, there is leadership of both businesses and governments uh, and governance that are required, but ultimately it comes down to each of us doing our part. Yeah. Um, yeah. You said something there that I think is really um, very interesting, which is just by the very basis of having to make some decisions, the conversation and public decisions, such as putting new insulation into an old cafeteria. I mean, these are real basic yeah. things, right? But they do, they do mandate a conversation mm -hmm. and that unto itself is really, really, um, I, I think unto itself is actually brings awareness as well as education to, mm -hmm. to, to the average person who may or may not know, even if they know they get some more detail and you have to get into the nitty gritty a bit more. I mean, when you're teaching climate change, right, or you're, you're teaching teachers to teach climate change, what is the right level of granularity um, in order to be able to actually shift um, knowledge? You know, is it what, 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 what level are we talking about, especially for the younger kids? You know, again, it, it varies based on grade level. I've had kindergarten and first grade teachers and it, they're, you know, again, they're talking about with their kids about like simple actions their kids can take. Again, reusable water bottles. You know, are we turning the lights off when we leave the room? And those are like things that kids are learning, but it's also building some habits for them. And, you know, kids, then kids are going home and saying to their parents, you know, at school, we turn the lights off so that we say, you know, and you know, that sort of, again, spurs that conversation at That's home. Good, yeah. And, you know, then you get at the old, you know, the, I would say the older the kids are, the more that you want to give them the facts and data and let them sort of noodle around with that and start to come up with their own conclusions around that. And, and again, if you look at the data, it's pretty evident that things are going in an exponential curve. But again, you want to be cautious as a teacher that you're not going in this is the way it is because it is i mean there, there's no debate around this but the more you can get kids to think and problem solve and use their critical thinking skills around this they're going to start forming their own opinions and narratives and again that's going to be conversations that they take home that again spurs that conversation 
It's interesting thinking of kids as usual as a catalyst for change uh, among adults. And, and, and it's a very, again, positive and optimistic and hopeful outlook. Yeah. Um, as, we, as we start wrapping up here, I, I, I think it's interesting for a moment to talk about Earth Day 2022, because yeah. you know this is coming out Thursday, on Friday is Earth Day. And, and the, the topic for this year, the thematic that has been chosen is invest in our planet. And it's a real call to action for all stakeholders, you know, around the world to come together because this is not a singular thing. And yet we're talking about each of us individually being able to have impact and move the needle. I think one of the things that, um, and I just want to close on this question that I love about the way that the organizers and Earth Day has been going on for a long time now, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. you know, it's not like this is climate change is new information. It just is reaching a broader audience because it's coming to this crescendo, as you say, the exponentialization of, you know, uh, temperature to change and, and everything, yeah. and so, you know, the acidification of oceans and so many things that we won't, we don't have time to talk about. But they talk about, you know, we need to act boldly, innovate broadly, and implement equitably, right? And I feel like these are three things that are so pertinent. When we come back to the topic of teaching climate change or climate change education, what are those like actions, bold actions, those broad innovations, and those equitable implementations that you would love to see to close us out on this, you know, Earth Day Eve? Earth Day cannot be a day. Earth Days needs to be every day. And I think that's where I, I hope that with the momentum we have right now, that it's not going to be just like, oh, we're going to take this day and we're going to go out and pick up trash or we're going to do something outside. It's going to be really thinking about um, what's happening in our community that is impacting climate change. What's happening to our perhaps communities of color that are being you know, more adversely impacted by this? What are we going to do for the, the short-term and long-term? And really thinking about um, this is like sort of a kickoff as to what we're gonna do going forward. Um, and it's not just a single day, but I think, again, teachers engaging in Earth Day, highlighting it, but it can't stop there. Um, again, bringing it into their curriculum, bringing in current events, um, partnering with local organizations that are focused on it and bringing those into your classroom and thinking about how your students engage with these organizations around climate justice and you know uh, other climate related topics and things around in your communities. But I think bringing it close to your community, what's happening, and then how do we as a school community and a classroom or even just a single, you know, single classroom and a single teacher. How do we combine with those community resources and really keep Earth Day alive to make it Earth Year? I love that. Earth decade, Earth century, et cetera, yeah, right? 100%, yes. Earth millennia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Allison, thank you. Dr. Allison, Mike, thank you so much for joining us on Future of XYZ, talking about the future of teaching climate change. Thank you. Appreciate being here today. Appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Um, and anyone who's interested in learning more about what Allison did at Presidio Graduate School, you can visit their website. It's pretty amazing. Um, and I look forward to seeing what you're doing, teaching so many people globally uh, at, at Salesforce. For anyone listening, if you're not already subscribed to Future of XYZ, make sure you do so. You can do it on YouTube for video or any of your favorite streaming podcast platforms uh, to listen to the audio. You can follow us at Future of XYZ on Instagram and make sure to visit future-of.xyz uh, to get all the back episodes and learn more about LVG and Co. 
Happy Earth Day. Happy Earth Year. We look forward to seeing you all next week. Thanks for listening to The Future of XYZ. If you like what you've been hearing, please follow Lisa Grelnick on LinkedIn. Visit future-of.xyz or subscribe to The Future of XYZ podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.